Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Today I'm flying solo. My co-pilot Lil Barron had a dentist appointment and unfortunately will not be able to join us today. But uh, with all things considered, with coronavirus and COVID-19, she and I both agreed that when you can get a dentist appointment in this day and age, you better take it. So she'll be joining us next week, uh, and we'll miss her today, but we're going to jump right into it. I found an article in Men's Health Magazine, and uh, it it focused on one of our favorite health and wellness topics. If it seems to you that it's gotten harder to lose weight since you hit the age of 50, you're actually not imagining things. As you age, your metabolism starts to slow down, and a lot of your metabolism functions, your organs and your absorption rate, everything just gets a little bit less efficient. That's according to Dr. Catherine L. Tucker, who is a professor of nutritional epidemiology and the director of the Center for Population Health at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Uh, She says that you may now need fewer calories than you've ever needed before just to maintain your body mass, let alone reduce it. In fact, a 50-year-old man requires about 100 fewer calories a day than a 20-year-old of the same weight. And if you don't compensate for that, then unfortunately, those pounds are going to creep on and your weight has a tendency to drift upwards. It's just the simple mathematics of the thing. But it is possible to lose weight after the age of 50. It just might require a different strategy. And today, I wanted to share one or two ideas that I thought you might find helpful The first one won't be a surprise to you, and that is to eat more fruits and vegetables. They performed a study at Harvard University, and they found that people who increased their intake of fruits and vegetables lost weight, especially if they ate more berries, apples, pears, soy, or cauliflower. Those seem to be the fruits and vegetables that had the greatest results. Fruits and vegetables, of course, as we know, are low in calories, but they're also rich in important vitamins and minerals, and you need more of them as you age, including fiber, which can help keep you full in between meals, which is always a good thing. And the experts recommend piling vegetables over about half of your plate at every meal, and that should get you the amount that you need. The number two item on my list is not necessarily an endorsement, but you could buy an Instapot, if you know what an Instapot is, and make bean stews. Beans are packed with fiber and protein, and as they travel through your digestive system, their roughage and resistant starch feeds the good gut bacteria that we all have, and that's definitely a good thing. A study from uh, Canada shows that people who ate a serving of legumes every day as part of a weight loss effort lost a couple of pounds in just an average of six weeks, and that was just with that one change in their regular meal planning. Uh, So this uh, last one that I want to share with you, it might go against some of the things that you've heard in the past, at least some of the things that I've heard in the past, but it does make a little bit of sense to me, and that is to weigh yourself every day. Now, I've heard some people say if you're trying to lose weight that maybe you want to avoid the scale because it can be uh, a little bit disappointing or um, you'll give you a, a sense that nothing is happening, but they recommend in this article that you weigh yourself each morning so that you notice right away if the number is trending up instead of down and uh, the experts say that if you gain weight uh, and if you focus on it early and it's only a couple of pounds you can lose it quickly but if you let it stay then basically it reprograms your body at that higher weight and it makes it hard to lose because you're hungry and so they're saying step on the scale every day to uh, make sure that the weight is not creeping up 
faster than you want it to. And finally, the last one that I want to just point out to you uh, that can't be implemented until after we're done with social distancing, but they recommend that you pick up a new sport. And they say that sports like team sports in particular, like soccer and basketball and ultimate frisbee might be ideal since they do burn lots of calories and there's a high intensity that leads to an increase in the amount of fat burned over the next 24 to 48 hours, that uh, hot zone that we go into after we exercise. And sometimes uh, the, the uh, excuse me, something that is relevant here at the Huntsman World Senior Games that we found for our athletes is that the friendship aspect of that is very healthy as well. In general, they say that the social support enhances people's adherence to a healthy lifestyle and uh, plus, it's just a lot funner to hang out and work out with friends. In a study published in the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports, older people who followed a weight loss plan and played soccer in that particular study shed more fat than those who followed the diet alone. So a couple of things to think about. If you're thinking about uh, sports, the Huntsman World Senior Games has over 35 to choose from. And registration is open at seniorgames.net. So take a look at that. That might be a good way for you to drop a few pounds in uh, that age group over 50, where sometimes it's really tricky. Today's guest is Mike Miller, the regional manager for the Alzheimer's Association. Mike works with volunteers and healthcare professionals to offer care and support for anyone affected by Alzheimer's disease or another dementia. He works to increase awareness and raise funds for research and programs. We had Mike on the show a couple of weeks ago. That was episode number 275 for our podcast audience who might be keeping track and you want to go back and listen to it. It was a great show. He had some great information for us. And uh, we're excited to have you back on the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing great, Kyle. Super glad to be on your show again. Sure appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you and all the work that you do in the community and in the region. And, and hey, this disease, man, it, it is one that touches so many of us. And you, you and I have talked several times about this. Alzheimer's is a disease that in one way or another, I think we can rest assured, is going to touch someone in your life. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I mean, the numbers are high once you uh, hit that age bracket of 65 and older, about 1 in 10. We'll have uh, some indicator of cognitive decline, and that is what leads to Alzheimer's. And it's not a passive engagement either with a family. It's, it's not uh, something that sits idly, but it just impacts people across the board. And the, the great thing about the Alzheimer's Association is the amount of research that this uh, organization is involved in, whether it's through funding or, or the research that you're performing on, on your own as an organization. And today, Mike, we want to talk a little bit about some of the research that is being done and maybe some of the breakthroughs that are being worked on. And hopefully you can give us maybe a little bit of good news uh, on ways that we can slow the progression or maybe even avoid it altogether with some lifestyle choices. Um, so let's, let's jump into it. What, what are some of the things that they're working on as far as research when it comes to Alzheimer's disease? All right. Yes. Uh, I love talking about this because uh, that's what everybody's hoping for, the breakthrough, the way to slow down the disease or uh, eradicate it. And we've been looking for that for a long time. So blood tests, that is a, a new reality on the horizon. And you know, we all go in for blood tests uh, periodically throughout a year, and, and we look for certain indicators. And there's work now that 
is leading towards a simple blood test that could detect signs of Alzheimer's um, both early and accurately, and that will be very beneficial to families and individuals. How big of a game changer is that going to be once that's perfected, when you can go in and get a blood screening, a blood test done, and have an idea of what you're dealing with? You know, it's a game changer because it's something that's not invasive and it isn't going to be very costly. And a lot of people can access a test of that nature. And uh, they're easier to administer as far as the healthcare providers. So it, it speeds up the process. It helps people get the diagnosis. And uh, it just won't have that long waiting line period that we hear about with some of the things like PET scans and other um, processes that help identify where a person is in a journey towards cognitive uh, decline or Alzheimer's. So it'll be big. Well, and it sounds like not only uh, does it have the potential to reduce the time, but, but it sounds like some expense as well. Some of these PET scans and these brain scans are not necessarily inexpensive procedures. And to be able to get a, a blood screening done that gives you an indication seems, seems huge to me. Well, it is because, you know, your PET scans and other types of uh, processes used now can be $1,500, $2,000, and that's often a private pay sort of arrangement. It's not covered by Medicare, and so something that'll be more affordable in, in, in the $100 range or so would be a very uh, much more um, accessible to, to the everyday person that's trying to get some information. And uh, that's what they seek as they're going through the journey is where are we, what are, what are we going to deal with, and, and how do we move forward? So this would be a great step for them. Absolutely. I, again, that seems very exciting to me. Do, do you have a, any idea of a time frame? Or are we looking at, is this still years away? Is this months away? Or do you, do you know where they're at in that process? I'm sorry that I don't have a, a, a timeline on it. Um, I just know that work is progressing and, you know, they've been talking about it. And uh, when, they, when they talk more about something, that tells me there's more work, more activity, and you know, we can expect some uh, developments sooner than later, I guess. Well, again, that, that's such good news and so exciting. You know, I, I'm one of those people that's been touched by Alzheimer's. Uh, both of my grandmothers dealt with it at the end of their lives, and we watched that decline happen. And um, man, if there's anything that we can do to get a jump start on things, uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I, I, you know, from, a, from an experience standpoint of my, my grandma's, uh, also to uh, the idea that it's, there's some hereditary elements and, uh, you know, I'm worried about my parents and frankly, I'm, I'm a little worried about myself in the long run as well. So uh, I love that this progress is being made and that work is being done and screenings are becoming more and more available. At least it sounds like this blood test is on its way. That's such exciting news. Um, in, in addition to, the, to, to that research about finding out where we're at on, on the journey, as you said, what other research is being done? Are they finding that, that lifestyle choices have anything to do with the, with, the, with the question? Yes, lifestyle certainly does. And, and there's a little bit of a phrase, phrase that states that your genes kind of set the stage for your life, but, you know, your behavior flips the switch. So let's say you have some hereditary genes that are indicators and have a connection to Alzheimer's. Your lifestyle is going to impact how those things play out. And 
you know, we've done some research and, and we know there are things that impact a body and the health of the body relates to the brain. So some key things that are being looked at are a diet, a cessation of smoking, exercise, and cognitive stimulation. So as separate entities, we know those all have, a, have an impact on our body, but what we're looking at right now is the combination of those things and how do they uh, work together to uh, impact a person's uh, uh, mental and, and physical health. And so the key word here is this study called the U.S. Pointer Study, and it's looking at the combination of these different activities and how, how they all relate. So our association is leading the way on this study, and it's going to be the first large-scale study with a diverse population. It's taking place in five localities here in, in the United States with results expected in 2023, which is a couple, three years off in the, in the future. But once that study is uh, finished, they'll be able to say, um, well, one or more of these things combined is going to help reduce your chances of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's by such and such a percent. So, so that's the goal. And, um, you know, research already suggests that if people adopt four or five of these lifestyle habits, they can reduce their risk by 60% compared to only adopting one or more. Well, we want to fine tune that, validate it more, and go beyond suggestion to scientific method improving it. Wow. And you know, when you, when you say 60%, boy, I like those odds. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that's a gigantic difference there and mm -hmm. uh, worth looking into these lifestyle changes. So I'll be uh, very excited and uh, watching for the, the uh, output on this study. Like you said, I know it's a, a couple of years away, but I appreciate that as well because that tells me it's going to be a long-term and a, a, a large a group that they're drawing from, and I think the results are going to be better. Very mm -hmm. exciting stuff. Yes. Now, one of the things that I've heard a lot about, and this is this is on my mind a lot, and that is the idea of uh, sensory impairment and how it relates to Alzheimer's. Uh, I've heard a lot about hearing. W what research is being done in that area? Hearing, of course, is one of our uh, primary senses, and what's going on with hearing is. It, it, it's a symptom for a person, but that symptom causes a behavior. And oftentimes when a, an individual cannot hear as well as they used to, they start withdrawing from society. And as you withdraw, that compounds other things within your uh, mental faculties. It's kind of sending a message to your brain that, well, okay, we're slowing down, we're retreating. I don't need to be as active as I used to be. There's not threats, there's not social engagement. So your brain starts slowing down, which is the worst thing that can happen as you age and are uh, trying to remain healthy. You want your brain to stay active. So um, as sensory abilities decrease, and particularly in hearing, isolation comes into play and people just naturally try and reduce being frustrated and um, uh, having anxiety about that. So hearing, that definitely is one of the senses that uh, impacts uh, mental health, and then so does vision because it's the same kind of an issue if, if, if a person cannot see things as well as they used to and um, they can't get focused on things. Oh, now they stop reading. One less stimulation. Yeah. They stop 
stop going outside to look at nature and do things outdoors. So again, the, the two things compound and complement each other, but when we're at risk, this is going to be a problem. So we want to make sure we're uh, looking into those issues in a deeper way and see how those uh, impairments and the screening of those impairments can identify for folks those uh, uh, issues that will, you know, cause the uh, cognitive impairment in Alzheimer's. So I, th- I think you hit right on it. Get your hearing screened, get your vision mm-hmm. screened. Don't be worried about it. Go and get it. Um, you know, sometimes the, the result isn't what you want. And sometimes there's an investment associated with that, whether that's new glasses or new hearing aids. But in the long term, uh, not only is your mental health better, uh, but your brain is stronger and, you know, definitely worth keeping up on, on those uh, sensory screenings. I'm curious, Mark, if, if there's any, or Mike, excuse me, if there's any uh, difference between the, the impact of Alzheimer's on men and women. Is, is there any, are there any gender studies going on in that area? There's, there's a lot of data in this area and a p- perfect question to bring up for your audience. On, on the side of women, and this is the bad news part of the story, there's uh, about two-thirds of those in America with Alzheimer's are women. So that's about 3.6 wow. million. That, that's, that's significant. Oh, yes, definitely. And um, a, a woman's risk of um, developing Alzheimer's is at 65, at age 65, is one in five. And two times more likely, uh, women are two times more likely to develop Alzheimer's than men. Wow. Now, do we yeah. have any idea why that is? Are we, is that what we're trying to find out? We, we are because um, we don't have that answer. And so, you know, once they've identified some patterns, then they go to work to uh, go backwards and identify what went on environmentally, mentally, physically in a person's life and uh, start looking at those issues. So studies are going on, you know, sometimes it relates to educational level, it relates to stress at home, it relates to hormones in your body and, and how those all interrelax, so interact. So the, the studies are taking place and um, it, it's important because just a few more stats. Uh, sorry, we have to pile this on gals, but um, nearly 19% of women are serving as Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, nearly 19% of the women who are serving as caregivers have had to quit their jobs. So that's a big hit in the economy. Yeah. But more importantly, okay, you quit your job. Now you have to deal with uh, depression and impaired health. So magnifying effects because of uh, your love for someone that you're going to care for. So it's, it's it, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia has a huge impact on the female population. Wow. And in, in some ways it feels a little bit like kind of this spiral that just kind of picks up snow. It's like the snowball effect as it goes. Uh, you know, a woman leaves the workplace to stay home and, and care for a loved one. Um, they're kind of becoming socially isolated at that point. Yes. And you can just kind of see that, that snowball effect happening. So, wow, to, to understand that and recognize some of the, uh, the cultural and the social norms that go on and maybe be able to make some adjustments seems like that would be very important in the long run, especially where it relates to uh, the women in our lives that we love and, uh, you know, that, that connection to Alzheimer's. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Uh, 
you know, the hot topic, the thing that we want to know is, is there a medicine? Is there a pill? Is there a shot that they're working on out there that's going to fix this thing? That's going to cure this, this horribly debilitating disease. What are they working on in that area? We are working on drugs and there's a number um, in, in the pipeline, as, as they say, and through COVID-19, we've heard about how long it takes a drug to get to the marketplace. And some people say, let's just throw out all the scientific studies. If it has any anecdotal evidence, let's pop it in and let's start let's using it. Let's just do it. it. Let's just yeah. do it. <laughs> so in an emergency setting, I can understand that, uh, that direction. But with a typical drug, you've got um, you know, two to 10 years from start with early trials of a few people, a couple of dozen, and then there's phase one, two, and three testing. And these go through hundreds on into thousands of people and, and over time. So two to 10 years of, of clinical trials is, is a typical flow. And um, there's, there's probably about uh, 50 or more different drugs in research phase and different levels of, of uh, uh, testing that are being looked at. So drugs are part of the answer. So are these lifestyle issues. Some of those things are, 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 are uh, being looked at as well. But fortunately, through the Alzheimer's Association, we uh, have a, a program called Part the Cloud, started in 2012 by a philanthropist in, in uh, California, Mikey Hoag. And she had lost family members to the disease and wanted to make a difference. So through fundraising efforts, They've been able to put $30 million in, in a fund, and there's about 39 individual research awards uh, receiving funding to look at the disease and, and cures and, and protocols. And then recently, another uh, $10 million was pledged by Bill Gates that will be doubled by money raised by the Alzheimer's Association to put that fund together at you know, $55, $60 million as a resource for researchers. And, and that's just the Alzheimer's Association. There's billions of dollars available for researchers through the National Institutes of Health. And uh, we promote that. We um, get people linked into studies. And it, it is, like we said, about drugs, about lifestyle issues, and other behavioral factors that come into play. You, you know, this is, uh, again, a disease that is going to, if it hasn't already, it's going to touch so many people. Uh, many of us are already dealing with it, whether we're caretakers or uh, being directly affected by it, uh, or we just have friends or neighbors or members of our community, our church, whoever it is that are being affected by it. Uh, it's, it's hopeful to me and exciting for me to see that there is a lot of work being done out there uh, by the Alzheimer's Association and by other groups that are working on this. It's a big one. Uh, it's a giant problem. I'm glad that we've got some of the brightest and the best working on tackling it. And uh, I'm hopeful that there's going to be some solutions coming forth in the next little while. I like you. And, you know, if, if uh, listeners want to get deep into it, I'm going to share a website with you so you can look at postings by researchers and other information that came out of our uh, most recent uh, global interface, which was uh, our Alzheimer's Association International Conference. So here's the website. It's alz.org slash AAIC. So uh, you can look into that uh, website, find the research and up-to-date information from uh, researchers from all over the world. So it's a pretty great site if you want to dig deep into this topic.
Wonderful. Mike, it sounds like there's a lot of good things going on, and that's the time that we have to visit with you today. We've got you scheduled for another show in a couple of weeks, and I know you'll have great information then as well. But thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kyle. Look forward to next time. Just a reminder for all of our listeners, registration is open for the Huntsman World Senior Games. If you are 50 years of age or older, you qualify. Uh, But let's be honest, here we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Some of you might be wondering if we're even planning on holding the games at all, and the answer is yes. Yes, we are planning on holding the games. We're monitoring the situation, of course, but we think that we'll have things calmed down by October. However, in the unlikely event that the games are canceled, athletes should rest assured that they will have the choice of either a full refund or a voucher for the 2021 games. So go ahead and hit seniorgames.net and register today. The dates of the 2020 games are October 5th through the 17th, If you have any feedback for us about the show, please shoot us an email at activelife at seniorgames.net. And remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show, we turn it into a podcast, and you can also subscribe to that podcast pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. If you are listening by podcast, take a moment, give us a rating, write a quick review. You can also find this as well as previous shows right on our website at seniorgames.net. So check that out. Our inspirational thought for the day. I like this one. Sometimes we're tested not to show our weaknesses, but to uncover our strengths. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.